You're listening to The Air Attack with BC The Man on HasBeenSports.com. I know What's up, guys? The Air Attack is brought to you by Fable Label. Combining the timeless popularity of the T-shirt with modern, innovative designs, allowing you to stand out from the crowd today. If you're not a fan of Fable Label, you soon will be. In fact, I'm wearing, uh, wearing Fable Label right now. So can you check them out at fablelabel.com. With a shout-out to everybody at Has Been Sports in Nashville, Tennessee. You can like the show at facebook.com slash the Air Attack. Follow me on Twitter at BCAK The Man. Thanks, everybody. Checked out today at the pre-show on Periscope. You can make sure uh, also you check the show up on check the show out. Excuse me. On SoundCloud and Blog Talk Radio now. If you have either one of those two apps or if you want to watch them online, listen to them online, excuse me. SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio. Busy, busy week. Obviously, um, we got one extra thing that we added to the show today as we just, a bizarre story, uh, and, and a sad story too, but a bizarre story. But we'll weigh in on the Mar Odom. I'll, I'll have my say about that and the grieving Kardashians around him. But I was asked this a couple times this week on Twitter. I wasn't really asked it, I just kind of got involved in the conversation, but. I don't know how this came up, I guess because everyone, it's the time of year where everybody posts pictures of this nonsense. Apple picking and pumpkin picking. And is this the new sign of adulthood? Uh, no. No, no, no. It's not a sign of adulthood. Apple picking and pumpkin picking are not signs of adulthood. They're always done with a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, or children. And they're not a sign of adulthood. They're a sign that you want to tell people that you're an adult. Okay? Apple picking and pumpkin picking is done for one reason. And that is to be the express purpose of taking pictures and posting them to Instagram and to Facebook. Okay? And trying to make you jealous and or make themselves appear that they are super established. Okay? You think anybody likes pumpkins or apples that much? And it's also enough of an expert to know exactly which ones to pick straight off the fucking vine? No. No. The point is this. The point is, hey, to show the world, hey, it's an NFL Sunday, and look what I made this putz of a boyfriend do. Look. Look at me. Look how in control I am. Patriots are playing the Cowboys right now, and this jerk-off's out here pumpkin-picking with me. You think he wants to be here? I don't even want to be here, but I made him do it. Nobody really enjoys that shit, okay? Yeah, walking in dirt, dragging a 20-pound pumpkin to the back of your car. That's fantastic. That sounds like a fucking blast. I tell you what, you want to prove you're an adult? Stop posting a bunch of pictures of apple and pumpkin picking to your Facebook page. Please. Oh, my God. If I saw an ex on Facebook, which would never happen, by the way, with a new guy fucking apple picking or pumpkin picking, you think I'd make me jealous? Or you think I'd say, that's why I dumped her? Oh, my God. Yes, honey, that's why I left you, because you were trying to make less of a man, less of a man out of me. I knew it. And with kids, it's the same thing. Yes, we know you have kids. No one's forgetting you have kids. I don't know what it is about you people that you think you have kids, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, I, you know, do they still have kids? Yeah, we know you have kids still, okay? My God. You people have, you people have kids, and you got to remind us every three days. Like, okay, great, the thing didn't die. Fantastic. Congratulations. The kid's still alive. We know. Apple picking and pumpkin picking. Give me a fucking break. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Besides costing me a shit ton of money and robbing me of my personal time, okay, I have to go to some oversized garden and physically pluck something that I can find at the store at 20 seconds and throw into a cart. Oh, my God. 
on this How does picking a pumpkin or an apple have any appeal to you? I don't get this. And then taking a bunch of pictures? I'm sorry. It makes me, it, it makes me like you less. Uh, it's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, once in a lifetime, okay, fine. But every fucking year with like 35 pictures, I'm sorry. I can't do it. I'm sorry. And you pumpkin patch owners should be you know, cashing in on this shit. You be ashamed of yourself. I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to go I want to go pick my own apples at an apple at an apple farm. That's what I want to do. There's a little house in the prairie. If I want an apple, I'll go to the store and I will buy apples. If I want an apple pie or some kind of apple, like an apple turnover, I'll pay somebody for those things. I need to make it all from scratch. There's nothing, I mean, for the time and the expense and everything else of driving somewhere. And it always happens on a weekend, too. You don't see people apple or pumpkin picking on a Tuesday. So let's just think this real through when it comes to my life in general. A Saturday or a Sunday in the fall, you really think you're getting me at a pumpkin patch? I tell you, you want to pick pumpkins? No problem. We can go between 9 and 10 in the morning on Saturday. That way we can get out, I can go home, I can shower and wash all the, the fucking mud and dirt off of me, and we can start college football Saturday. No. Sorry. You want to prove you're less of a man, go go apple picking with your girlfriend. Let her take, let her take 35 pictures of you. And the same thing goes for hayrides and haunted houses and all the other bullshit you guys want to do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I cannot respect that, even in the least bit. Is it a sign of adultery? No. But that just goes to show you. You know what? If someone else has posted it on Facebook or Instagram, there's a tendency to get a little bit, in- a little bit jealous. And maybe not even jealous, but just insecure that you're not doing it. That's a tendency these days. Um, we'll stay with the online thing, actually. FanDuel and DraftKings come under heavy fire this week. And I know, and I haven't talked about these sites yet, and I'm not a big fantasy guy. But people, what do you expect? If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's an investigation now in the state of New York that some of the employees of some of these sites, and really it's the it's two big ones. It's FanDuel and it's DraftKings. I know PokerStars has one too, and eventually a bunch of places will have one. Because basically if you wanted to, you could just mirror the pricing on another site. You know, without really admitting it, it's not that big of a deal. I don't think the software would be that hard to duplicate. So just like you had online poker site after online poker site, um, I think you'll have multiple fantasy sports sites. That's what I think. You know, the DFS, the daily fantasy site. Um, The inside information being used, you want to know what, what, what I'm talking about. Well, let's say you've got, let's say you work at one of these places. Let's say you work at DraftKings and you have access to all the player information. Not the not the athlete information, but the actual contestant information, the people who are taking part in these contests. Well, you can find out who the best fantasy players are that are members of your site, and then you can sort of mimic their lineups. Who do they think is going to be a sleeper? Hey, they've been successful. Let me sort of copy their lineups. Or you could also see how many of the athletes, the NFL players, you know, for example how popular those picks are because one of the big elements of winning those contests is you have to come up with a sleeper pick that is not being picked by a lot of other people. So that way, if that guy has a big game, not a lot of other people would have it. It's tantamount to basically picking an upset in the in the NCAA tournament, in the brackets. You pick an upset that nobody else has. You're trying to gain an advantage in the field that way. And that's what's going on now, FanDuel and DraftKings. They're not allowed to play at their own sites. They play at each other's sites. They play at the other one. And I don't know what you people really expected. I mean, that's just how it is. You know, if you're not going to regulate stuff like this, you know, it's basically like having a poker room with no cameras in it. I don't know what you think is going to happen, but basically, you know, you're going to have some sort of foul play going on. And, and what you have here, Uber is one of them from the driver's perspective. Match.com, eHarmony's in here, DraftKings, FanDuel, and a bunch of other places too. They're selling you people, no pun intended, on a fantasy. They're selling a pipe dream. 
on these DFS sites, these daily fantasy sports sites, okay, you are at a much bigger disadvantage often than you think because you're going up against guys with inside info. And in a lot of ways, the best players, because the best players' lineups can be duplicated. You're going up against the toughest opponents because there's guys out there basically just mimicking the best competitors' lineups. Okay, just like Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison was using dummy accounts, and the clients didn't have nearly the pool of skanks on Ashley Madison, yeah, I said it, to choose from that they thought. The DraftKings and FanDuel are not nearly as level a playing field as they portray. And one more thing about these two sites, okay? Let's get this clear. This is gambling. You put money in, the website takes a cut, the winners put the money. That's what they do at the racetrack. That's what they do on poker tournaments. That's even how the lottery works. It's gambling. So to think there's not going to be any kind of regulation whatsoever, you're crazy. I mean, you're, you're, you're literally out of your mind. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's, that's just what these things are. So to think there's some kind of foul play and people saying, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Why can you not believe this happened? Why can you not, why can you not believe this happened? And if you don't want the thing regulated, that's all well and good that you don't want it regulated. I get all that. I'm, 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 you know, that's fine. I can see that you don't want it regulated and you can say all you want. Hey, this isn't gambling. I'm telling you right now, it's gambling. These sites are, these sites are nothing more or less than gambling. I mean, it's, it's, it's called paramutual wagering. That's what they call it, the racetrack. Everybody puts the money in, okay? You get then whatever, then the odds are set, and then the, whatever horse wins, the winners put the money. That's just what it is. So, I mean, this notion that, oh, we're just not, we're going to say we're not a gambling site. That's fine. That's like Uber likes to say we're not a transportation company. It's not a transportation. Oh, see, okay, no problem. So I guess we just won't regulate you because you say you're not a transportation company. And, you know, about a thousand lawsuits later. And by the way, I have not shit on Uber on this on this show for a while. And basically, the reason for that is, number one, there's a lot of going on with football season and stuff. But number two, I think the damage has already been done. And not just by me. I mean, a lot of people open up about them. But whether it's uh, Ellen Hewitt or Sarah Lacey, who's the founder of Pando, you know, I've talked to both those ladies you know, a couple times. That company is, I mean, it's, it's every every single day it's something else with them. Um, it seems like every two or three days there's another sexual assault reported about a driver, which if you want to know why that has something to do with, with, with lower rates, I'll tell you why. When Uber first came out, they would do background checks on drivers. The rates were fair. It was fair. The customers liked it. The drivers liked it. Then they decided to keep slashing rates. Okay? A lot of drivers bailed. Okay? They got the fuck out or Uber got rid of them because they were only taking the rides that could actually make them money. They, they weren't going to go out of their way. They weren't going to go to the ghetto blah, 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 for not a lot of money. So Uber, next thing you know, is short drivers. When they're short drivers, they start skimping on the background checks. That's why you have rapists driving Uber cars right now. And that's just the reality of life, whether you like it or not. So the drivers for Uber are so happy that the riot police had to show up in Paris uh, yesterday, the day before, because the drivers were protesting. And the drivers unionized, too, which is very smart. The drivers in America did that and stuck together. They wouldn't play these games. And there is supposedly an Uber strike this weekend. We'll see how many drivers stick to it. I don't know. But that's why I don't shit on them anymore because to me the information's out there. I don't think they're really fooling many people anymore. A couple people here or there, but that's not a big deal. But those sites are all selling you on a on a pipe dream. Basically the way the lottery does. You know, DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever it is. Match.com, eHarmony. Hey, you're a terrible girlfriend. That's okay. Give us money. We'll find you a boyfriend. Because 25,000 people join Match.com every day. 
Come on, stop. Okay, enough. You know, if you're bad, you're bad. And DraftKings and FanDuel, a lot of people think they're going to get rich that way because they're going to be smarter, but they don't realize they're going up against it. They're basically swimming upstream the whole time. Just like a lot of online poker sites for a while. I told people there was something up with those fucking sites. People would shit on me. People would make fun of me, tell me I was paranoid, tell me I was crazy, tell me I'm just a bad player. And I said, okay, no problem. I'm a bad player. I don't know what I'm doing. No problem. Turns out, I was right. Turns out I was I was 100% on the money. That there were play, there were people looking at your whole cards on a lot of these sites. One of the sites was a Ponzi scheme in full tilt. I mean, it just, that's just what it was. I was right the whole time. Okay. Play enough poker, you can tell stuff like that. So, so I don't know what's going to happen with DraftKings and FanDuel. There's so much fucking money involved that I can't see them... It's almost like the Uber thing. They've come in and just started doing business, and now it'd be tough to shut them down because they're so popular. But something's going to have to happen. They're going to have to be regulated in some way, shape, or form, I would say. And that, that's what should happen. Um, so sports stuff real quick before we get to the story of the, uh, the story of the week, which may turn into the sto- one of the stories of the year. Um, the baseball stuff real quick. I'll just give you this. You know, the National League stuff, because they're, they're doing two game fives today in the American League. The, the Mets are going to go to game five against the Dodgers, so obviously I'm doing the show too early for that. I can't, I can't wait until, until Friday to do a show. I won't do that. Um, Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs has never been very good. His ERA going into game four against the Mets was nine. Obviously, he, he brought that down a little bit. A lot of Mets fans think the series should already be over because of the Chase Utley play. Um, I can't say it should be over because you don't know what happens. You know, you can't just say this happened afterwards, so this is what would have happened. There's no guarantee they would have won that game. But let me just tell you this. The, play, the Chase Utley play was as dirty as it gets. The roll block, if it's not illegal in baseball, should be illegal in baseball. I know that the second baseman turned his back. I understand that. I understand Ruben Tejada did turn. Or the, was he the shortstop that game? Just playing short that game. Um, turned his back. I get all that. But if Chase Utley had done that in an NFL game to a quarterback, he'd probably get a game off, maybe two, and he'd be fined probably $50,000. If he did that in a hockey game, he'd get at least a 10-minute misconduct, and the benches would probably clear. That'd be one of those fights that happens once or twice a year where the refs can't get it under control for like eight or 10 minutes. You know what I mean? That's what it would have been. It would have been a real big fucking deal and probably a suspension too. So I don't understand how we're allowed to do that in baseball, especially when we're trying to protect the catchers. So that was just a Bush League play. I thought the challenge by Mattingly was Bush League. Uh, I thought it should have been a double play. No question about it. I mean, he wasn't anywhere close to the line. I mean, if you can make that slide and still reach your left hand out and touch the bag, that maybe is a different story. But the roadblock part of it, I I just have no time for None. I mean, I have no. I just don't have any respect for that. I'm sorry. Play hard. Go in. Try to break up the play. No problem. I mean, let the catchers block the plate and try to run over. That that's, that would be fine with me if they went back to that. But the Chase Utley play was a dirty play. I'm a Yankee fan. I could care less. Care less about the Mets. Yeah, I, I got friends who are Mets fans, but so I feel bad for them. The other story is the Cubs. If you asked me before the playoffs, I probably would have said Cubs Royals in the World Series. You never know how these things translate from one one you know series to the next. But the Cubs put on an absolute show for their fans. And no less over the hated St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, you know, just unbelievable. Just an, un, I mean, almost like a home run derby in an atmosphere that was absolutely electric. And how about this? It's the first time the Cubs have ever clinched anything on their own home field. Is that crazy or what? The first time ever the Cubs fans got to actually see their team clinch something. Yeah, they made it to the NLCS in 2003, but they clinched that by beating the Braves in Atlanta. So that was that. Um, so unbelievable. And with Jake Arrieta, what he's doing, you know what? Uh, and, and and he's starting. Joe Madden starting like three or four rookies a game for that team. The catcher, Schwarber, Chris Bryant. I mean, 
He's had a couple other ones. Th- I mean, it's, it's really, it's unbelievable. It really is. I'm telling you, that's the best, the best thing for Major League Bi- Baseball between, you know, the fact the Red Sox have already cleared, you know, I've already cleared, the, you know, way for them. So they, they've already gotten out of the way a few years ago. About a decade ago, the, the Red Sox finally got out of the way. So they were able to get their, you know, their World Series after their drought. The White Sox even have theirs. The Cubs, it's the Cubs by like decades and decades and decades in terms of the longest droughts in Major League Baseball. And there's nothing like like the, you know, ineptitude of the Cubs in the postseason, you know, over, over the just their whole history. It's not like it's just a recent thing. That would be the best thing for Major League Baseball. The popularity of Joe Madden, Chris Bryant, who had that tumultuous start to the year where they didn't want to bring him up and he thought he should have been brought up and Adidas even got involved. Remember that? Remember that how Adidas had the uh, billboard outside of Wrigley Field? And it's, there was a message there, better late than never, the best things come, the, the, some things are worth waiting for or whatever, but basically it was a little message to the Cubs, like, hey, this guy should be on the team right now. Yeah. How good of a story is this? How good of a story is this for Major League Baseball? It's got everything. So we'll see what happens. College football. Um, two coaching things this week. Steve Sarkeesian, we already talked about, obviously has something wrong with him. Um, listen, when you get, when you have a problem with alcohol or whatever it is, and there's an incident, not, hey, someone found out you have a drinking problem, but you have an incident like Steve Sarkeesian had at an alumni dinner, and the school gives you a second chance. Basically, what they're saying is you're on your last legs because they don't want to come down on you for one little thing and make the mistake of overreacting. Obviously, it wouldn't have been an overreaction to fire him when they had a chance because Steve Sarkeesian apparently showed up drunk for, for practice on Sunday, um, was in no condition to work, they said, which I've done. I mean, I've done it, but I'm also not coaching a bunch of teenagers. Um, so... Apparently, the rumor is that more stories are going to come out, including maybe a coach catching him drunk on the sidelines during a fucking game, which would explain their bad play this year. I mean, but still. So now he's checking himself in a rehab. See, I would think you'd check yourself in a rehab while you still had a job because now you've got all the time in the world to go out and party all you want. So, I mean, the guy's got a problem. He's got a problem. But, I mean, that's not the way to handle it. I mean, there's been a lot of coaches over the years. I mean, Lou Holtz comes to mind. who You know damn well drank whenever they wanted to drink. Now every time someone drinks, it's a problem, it's an issue, he needs help, he needs rehab, he needs this and that, and in some cases, that might be the case. You know, it may very, very well be true, but I don't know. I mean, if it were me, I would have took myself into rehab before losing the job, before losing the big-time job, because now he's not going to get a job like that. You know, he'll go away for a couple of years, and then he'll come back and he'll coach like a, you know, a Texas State or a, a Georgia Southern or, or something like that, you know? San Jose State, maybe. Maybe something like that. Maybe. And try to work his way back up to getting some kind of respectable job. But it's the best that's the best job he's ever gonna get now because of the, because of the way he acted. So, you know, if you're gonna drink and whatnot, you gotta manage it. You gotta handle it. Okay? I mean, no matter who you are or what you do, I yeah, I got a couple big weeks coming up. My birthday's coming up a week from not this week up, but but the next weekend. You know what? We got three different nights planned. I'm, you know, I got I gotta manage it. And I'm not even working. And I'm not even work. I have no work or anything like that. I'm not gonna do any work. There'll be a show the next week. But I'm doing. I'm not doing any work. I don't have to be up. I don't have to be at meetings. I'm going coach kids. But apparently, um, Steve Sarkeesian didn't see it my way. So he apparently knows what he's doing better than I am. Better than I do. So I don't know what to tell you. The Steve Spurrier thing. Now it comes out. He's retiring. The first thing you think about is his health. But if you really looked into it, and today was kind of confirmed, he goes, "I'm not retiring. I'm resigning." In other words. I'm not ending my coaching career. I'm stepping down. And he's stepping down because he's about to be fired. Look, 
I know he's Steve Spurrier. I know University of Florida, all the success they've had. And South Carolina is not the worst program on the planet. Here's the issue, though. In the SEC, you got to be competitive all the time. In the Pac-12, you even got to be competitive with, like, with Sarkeesian. And you know these guys were just waiting for the chance to, get, to fire him because you can't be fucking around in these big-time conferences anymore. You just can't. You know, one loss here can, you know, can cost your team everything. Can cost your conference a lot of money. Can cost, you know, can cost so much. And the SEC, you have to be on your game at such a higher level than really any other conference. That's just how it's been in recent years. And South Carolina is by no means a bad program. They're just not that good, though. And they've just never been able to get over the top. Yeah, they've gotten the Judavian Clownies and the Marcus Lattimore is the guy who his, his knee kept blowing up on him, so he's never really had like a start in the NFL. Um, even Connor Shaw is supposed to be a big-time quarterback. That's not enough. You need to get big-time teams, not, not a couple big-time recruits here and there, even if they do go to the NFL. Even if they are big talents, that's not enough. Not in the SEC. And unfortunately for him, you know, if you look just in that same conference, you know, down in Mississippi, Hugh Freeze has been able to build a program that's now beaten Alabama twice in a row. Um, got himself to number one or number two last year. I think maybe they're number one briefly. Number one or number two. You want to keep that in that same state? Starkville, Mississippi. Same thing. Look what Mullen's done with that team. And in a town where the football culture was dead, he said. He said the stadium needed to be revamped. The fans needed to get back into it. The fans needed to support the team. He's put a team together. A team that got itself ranked number one last year. My point is that it can be done. It's not easy in the SEC, but it can be done. And Steve Spurrier wasn't getting it done. And I think they were winless in the conference this year. Their defense was for shit. I mean, they're just one a good team. And it's time. And right now it's a big time, a big time recruiting portion of the year. And unfortunately, it was just a move that had to be made. So I guess they said, listen, we're going to give you the option of stepping down, but you're done. So you see two coaches, you know, stepping down, one involuntarily, you know, for two different reasons. But basically, basically, look, if, if USC was undefeated right now, okay, Steve Sarkeesian would still be there. I don't care what condition you show up to practice in. If they were undefeated and ranked like number six in the country, heading into this week in Notre Dame, I promise you, I don't give a shit what condition he showed up in. I don't care if he came there gargling Everclear. He'd be on the sidelines this week against Notre Dame. But they lost last Thursday to a very mediocre, at best, Washington team. Ironically, the team that he was coaching before he went to USC. You know, you got to perform or you got to go, no matter who you are. That's just how it is. And, and worth mentioning, too, and this is a little unfair that I haven't this year, but they really haven't really, they really haven't beaten anybody of note. So I'm bringing them up this week because they have a chance to go ahead and do that. And that's Michigan. I mean, what a difference a coach can make, right? And I really thought Jim Harbaugh would do well at Michigan. I just didn't think it would be this year. And to the point where they're they're actually shutting teams out now. They shut out a ranked Northwestern team last week. Who, it's not a great team, but they're okay. Better, they're better than to be shut out. They're supposed to be, at least. The week before that, or maybe two weeks before that, he shuts out BYU at home. It's not a terrible football team. I mean, two shutouts? I mean, that's ridiculous. To the point now where I find this hard to believe. They are home against Michigan State this week, and they are anywhere from seven to eight and a half point favorites, depending on where you look at it. I'm not sure where that's going to settle by game time. And I'm by no means a Michigan State defender this year because I don't think they're, I think Michigan State is vastly overrated, but I can't believe Michigan's favored by that much. I mean, at the beginning of the year, when you look at that game, if you took a look at that, I mean, somebody would have said, you're crazy. You're going to tell me the Wolverines can be favored by seven over the Spartans? I mean, come on. That's crazy. That's what it would have sounded crazy, but that's what it is. 
That might be a few too many points. I would actually expect some scoring in that game. I think the over-under that game is about 40-41. If it stays there, that's too low. That total stays under 42. I'm gonna, I'll take the over in that game. That's the one pick I'll give you this week. I would definitely take that over because I think Michigan State is good enough to score against Michigan, and I don't think Michigan State can really stop anybody. So I think that's for, for a college game, that's really, really low. That's really, really low. Um, NFL real quick. I, I got a little shit last week for not doing any NFL, so I'm going to go over every game with you real quick. Colts and Texans, real simple. No Andrew Luck. Uh, if you want to know, and the Colts are not a very good team, you want to know the solution? Go play the Texans. The Texans are broken. Ryan Mallett is about as immature as it gets. He's, he's obviously not good enough to play in the NFL right now. And then when they took him out of the game, he wouldn't even go over um, offensive adjustments and play sets and what have you and, you know, pictures and whatnot with Brian Hoyer on the sideline. So basically he pouted like a little baby. Now you know why the Patriots wanted him out. That's where he gets his immature reputation from. Giants, Niners, uh, two words, Eli Manning. Um, uh, Record-setting performance, obviously big-time comeback. Giants got away with them. The Giants easily obviously could have lost this game. You know, set, they basically set themselves up to lose this game. Um, they escaped, and now they're 3-2. and two. Could be 5-0. and oh. They're 3-2 and two going into the Philadelphia game. The Bears and the Chiefs, I don't even know to this day how the fuck the Chiefs lost this game in that they were up 17-3 to three at one point in this game. And let the Bears come off, come off with the last 15 points of the game. Um, the Bears are obviously a terrible team. I know Jamal Charles went down, but I told you after the Denver game that the Chiefs were in trouble, that Alex Smith is not going to take anywhere. You got to put a team away at home like this. I mean, the Bears are one of the worst teams in the league, and somehow they just willed themselves to a win because the Chiefs just can't make a, You know, all I would have taken for the Chiefs was a first down here or there to win that game. And they, and they go scoreless in the second half at home, by the way. 17-3 lead at halftime. They end up losing the game, which is terrible. The Seahawks and the Bengals, which was definitely the big the game of the day, especially for the 1 o'clock games. Uh, another team that couldn't put it away. It was a 24-7 Seattle lead. And this Legion of Boom defense and the thing they're known for and, you know, Cam Chancellor and company, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? 27-24 Bengals in overtime. There was actually a holding call in this game against Cincinnati where Andy Dalton had a long touchdown pass to A.J. Green, and that got called back. And I thought that was really going to hurt the Bengals. It did. They actually escaped with a win that they didn't deserve. The Redskins were leading the Falcons the entire game. They let the Falcons come back and kick a field goal late and then a pick six in overtime time. So a heartbreaking loss for the Redskins. The Falcons escape with a win at home. They always seem to win at home. Uh, the Jags and Bucks, uh, all I can tell you is this. If you want a meaningless NFL game, uh, give me two of the three Florida teams playing each other. 38-31 Bucks meant absolutely nothing. The Eagles uh, are starting to look more like the Eagles you thought they would be. Um, and playing the Saints at home is a very, very good way to do that. Uh, the Saints are a broken team. I know they got the walk-off overtime win against Dallas. The Saints are going to win a lot more games. The Saints actually have to... Now, the Saints have to go. I think they play the Falcons at home this week. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good spot for the Saints. I know the Falcons are much better at home, but the Saints are just a, a god-awful broken team. Uh, Ravens, Browns. The Browns all of a sudden are, you know, giving guys a little bit harder time. The Ravens are 1-4. How about that? The Ravens are a 1-4 football team. Who would have thought that? And that's after stealing a win against the Steelers. You thought maybe they salvaged their, their season with the win. Nope. They come right back home, go 1-4. and four. Ravens obviously are just just about as good as done. They don't they don't play in the greatest division, so that might help them. But one and four is one and four. Packers uh, easily over the Rams. The Rams, for as good as they are, uh, they, they're not very good against the pass. So them against Aaron Rodgers was no good. The Bills and Titans were the most boring games of the day. Three nothing at halftime. The Bills managed to come back with Rex Ryan. If you bet this game, this is just an example of how shopping for the right line can matter. The Bills won this game by one. It closed as a pick'em. It opened as Bills minus three, and for a long time was. Bills minus one and a half. So believe it or not, that shit matters. So if you want to know about line shopping and stuff like that and why people do it, 
That's why they do it. Cardinals Lions. This was basically over before it started. It was 28-7 at halftime. Um, the Lions are inept. They're now 0-5. I mean, you can basically stick a fork in them. Obviously, um, Cardinals are very good. Now the Cardinals have to go back on the road against the Steelers this week, which would not be easy. And I think it's a one o'clock game too. West Coast team or Western, you know, Pacific Time Zone team playing at one o'clock. Never easy. Never an easy situation. So just keep an eye on that. Even though the Steelers played Monday night themselves, that's not easy. Um, Patriots Cowboys. Brandon Whedon is so bad that Matt Castle is going to start for the Cowboys after their bye week. Um, I don't know why Greg Hardy felt the need to run his mouth about Tom Brady's wife or her sister. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea in his first game back. 30-6. to six, It probably could have been a lot more than that if, um, if the Patriots really wanted to turn it up. And, and for the Cowboys, look, you deserve everything you get with Greg Hardy. Everything you get with him. I mean, every bad thing that happens to your football team as a result of him and his mouth, you deserve every single bit of it if you're going to sign him. Okay, the guy, if Ray Rice isn't playing right now and teams turn their, turn their back on Ray Rice, okay, you got to tell me why, why they didn't turn their back on Greg Hardy. How is one different than the other? I think Greg Hardy is a lot worse. Broncos Raiders. The Broncos win an ugly game. Peyton Manning. Now, listen, if you don't believe Peyton Manning's arm is, is fucked up, just watch a replay of this game. Because, I mean, seriously, I think I can throw left-handed harder than Peyton Manning right now. And I told you the Broncos are going to be in for a rough year. The only, the only thing i got to add to this, the Broncos are now 5-0. <laughs> they find a way to get it done, and again, they get it done with defense, 16-10. You want to win games in the NFL with, with a quarterback who's not himself? Go ahead and give up 10 points. You probably have a pretty good chance of winning. Steelers-Chargers was an absolute snooze fest on Monday night. The one thing you want to get from this, Michael Vick looked a lot better at the end of that game. Much better at the end of that game than he did start. Michael Vick was hideous in the first half, a lot better in the second half. You're going to need Michael Vick to play. I need him to play well, too. So that's one thing to look for in that. Now, and this was bizarre, and this just came out yesterday. And you know what? It's been an ongoing saga. The Lamar Odom situation, okay, with Khloe Kardashian, okay? Lamar Odom obviously has problems. We all know that. I get all that. But all of a sudden now, if you know the story, Lamar Odom was found face down in a brothel, a whorehouse, if you will in Las Vegas after taking herbal Viagra, which, you know, everybody basically said there's got to be something else to this. Um, now, all of a sudden, that he's on the edge of death, and at this point, now, I'm doing the show on Wednesday. At this point, the latest report from TMZ, who you know I trust because I've done work with them, is he has a 50-50 chance. He's got a 50-50 chance of surviving because he suffered, he's got problems with, like, three or four major organs now. And if he does pull through, they're talking about brain damage. Reminds a little bit of the uh, Bobby Christina situation, to be honest with you. In terms of the prognosis. Very early to tell with stuff like that, though. But that's what TMZ is reporting. That's what I'm going to say. There's also reports that there were more drugs than just that herbal bag or shit down in the system. Possible track marks, whatever. Okay. Now that he's on the edge of death, now Khloe Kardashian cares about him. Now she's inconsolable. Okay. But he shows up in her gym at like 6 a.m. And she throws a shit fit to the point that somebody offers to call the cops on him. She cares about him so much that she knows he's down. She knows he has a problem. She knows that he's, he's not stable. She knows he's not taking, taking the breakup really well. She cares about him so much she's hanging out all over. She's hanging all over French Montana at a club that she knows Lamar hangs out at. Then she cares about him so much she moves on to, another NBA, to an NBA player. Another NBA player. That's the league where Lamar can't play anymore because he's all fucked up. And just like with French Montana, pictures all over all over the internet so the whole world can see. She loves her ex-husband so much while he's spiraling out of control. She's using social media 
to show the world the latest guy she's banging so he can hear all about it. All about it. And not just another guy, another NBA player, an MVP candidate. Okay, once a woman does that, trust me, she doesn't love you. I'm sorry. If that's what she does to someone she loves, I can only imagine, you know, what she's capable of doing to someone she doesn't. The girl pulls a shit like that on me, and I've had it. I Listen, I've had girls do shit like that to me. You know what? D- do me a favor. You can just stop loving me. All right? That's the way you love a guy. Uh, do him a favor. Just stop loving him. It's okay. Okay? Now, Chloe, I understand. Chloe didn't get him hooked on crack. Okay? But like every other guy that comes in there, okay, he ends up leaving worse than he came in. I'm sorry. Every other guy that comes in that family, it's the same way. They did nothing for him, and she can cry and pretend to care now, but she's not impressing me. I'm sorry. This is a way to go about things. Now, he was found in a brothel. He wasn't exactly Ward Cleaver as a husband. I get it. Okay? But she knew the guy was at a low point and decided to kick him when he was down, okay, in a very public way, as public a way as possible. Okay? And the same people, her sisters, her friends, her psycho mom, who were cheering her on while she was pulling these stunts, and that's what these are. These are stunts. Okay? The same ones tell her now she did nothing wrong. You think she's glad now she did all those things? You think she's glad she was banging James Harden now? Too late for me. Sorry. And their fucking bullshit TV show, Shocker, is what sent him over the edge. Because it's important after a breakup to get together like a bunch of cowards and rip the guy and make it all his fault. Publicly, by the way. Publicly. But you love him. After all, you flew to the hospital with a camera crew? I tell you what, it's real sweet of you and your sister Kim to get on your mom's broom and fly to Las Vegas, okay? And start weeping at the hospital so the cameras can see you. Whether it's your camera crew or the paparazzi that you know is going to be there, which is obligatory at this point, okay? And I know they didn't start him with substance abuse. I know his father's got a bad problem. I get all that, okay? But name me one guy they've ever, ever done a thing for. My friend Lindsay came up with it. Okay, she's right, Ray J. That's the only person they did anything for. Ray J got a blowjob and he got famous for like a month. That's what it was. That's what they done anything for. If this was the first guy with a problem with them, I'd say okay. These girls, every single one of them, get left. Okay. I know Kim's with Kanye. I don't think that counts right now, especially after the VMAs. At the VMAs, Kanye sounded like Mussolini and Anna Nicole Smith had a kid. It was like the bravado of Mussolini with the incoherence and substance abuse of Anna Nicole Smith. Does that really count as a relationship? And I don't care if they last 50 fucking years. I don't give a shit because Chris Humphreys left her. Scott Deesick got so fucking tired of Courtney that he'd rather go back to dating college girls. Not that the 18-year-old is banging he's going to college because she's a model, so why would she educate herself? Bruce Jenner left, left Chris Jenner. And, le- and lest there be any dispute as to whether or not they're getting back together, decided to go ahead and settle that argument for us. They're not getting back together. Yeah. They all get left. Lamar chose crack and hookers, whether it was a good idea or not, over his wife. That's what he did. So this is her way of getting back at him. Well, I hope she's happy she got back at him now. Good. They, I tell you what. They want to they wanted prove to me and the rest of America that they're really sorry, that they really care about the guy. They don't have to say that they're sorry. Okay, they want to prove they really give a shit about the guy. Pull those episodes and any episode involving him off the air now. Do that, and then maybe change your ways. Okay, then I'll be impressed. Do I think it'll happen? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because really, I don't think they give a shit at all. I think they care about the one thing they've always cared about—that's themselves and their own evil, stupid, pathetic, 
fucked up brand. That's it. And that's all the time we got this week on the air tag. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out FableLabel.com. FableLabel combined the timeless popularity of the t-shirt with modern innovative designs allowing you to stand off from the crowd today. If you're not a fan of Fable Label, you soon will be. In fact, I'm wearing Fable Label right now. Also, make sure you check out the air attack. And every single podcast each and every week on HasBeenSports.com, Facebook.com slash The Air Attack, Twitter, BCAK The Man, SoundCloud, BCAK The Man, as well as YouTube, BlogTalkRadio.com. Here's Beats with two shots of Patron. I'm Beats of The Man. See you guys next week. Air Attack.